0: Welcome back to the Foul Balls Podcast for February 2nd, 2018. Just me by myself today, Matt has a basketball game. Uh, quick thing before I get started is I did watch the entire uh, Pistons-Grizzlies game from start to finish just because I was, well I, I watched most of the games, but this one I was really interested in watching just because it was Blake Griffin's first game with the Pistons. And my initial takeaway for how this is going to impact fantasy and DFS is, first off, there's less ball-handling responsibility for Andre Drummond. And that might sound weird because Drummond isn't really somebody who necessarily handles the ball a lot. But one thing the Pistons do like to do with him a lot is they run these high uh, DHOs, dribble handoffs. And Drummond is averaging about four assists per game this year and easily a career high for him. And it's all, it all comes off those high dribble handoffs where he stands in the high post, he hands the ball off to shooters, and they hit shots. There was a lot less of that today with Blake Griffin on the team. He facilitates a lot of the offense. He was kind of running in a Ben Simmons type role in terms of being the power forward, but kind of really the point guard, bringing the ball up a lot. Uh, really, a lot of the offense ran through him. And the other thing that I noticed with him is that he was really pushing the pace a lot. So the Pistons are, well, at least off the top of my head, they're one of the slower-paced teams in the league. I'll bring that up really quick. Uh But from the eye test, at least, it seemed like they play at a slightly faster pace with Griffin in the game. So I think that this is going to be something that we could take advantage of in DFS over the next couple weeks, where I think that a lot of games that the Pistons play and are going to be higher scoring and higher pace than we're used to. Detroit is currently uh, 21st in pace coming into tonight. And I think that we're going to see them probably like above average-ish the rest of the season. So it's going to make a difference. There's going to be more possessions, more higher scoring games, and that'll definitely have an impact on the teams that the Pistons are playing the rest of the season. So I think that'll be something to exploit over the next couple weeks. Uh, but getting into the nine-game slate for tomorrow, uh, a lot of injuries as per, as per usual for the bigger slates. Uh, first game, Indiana Pacers at the Charlotte Hornets. From the Pacers' side of the game, guess what? Miles Turner is questionable to play. If the Pacers have played probably like 55 games or something this year, I think Miles Turner's been questionable for 40 of them. He's questionable almost every single game. I figure that if he plays in this one, he has knee soreness, they'll probably limit his minutes a little bit. If he's out, then I think DeMontis Sabonis and Thaddeus Young are both fine plays. Sabonis the preferred option. Not an ideal matchup against Dwight Howard, but still Sabonis at 6,100. He averages about 31.5 fantasy points as the starting center. So I, I think that that is a decent enough price tag for him. Playable in cash games and some upside for GPPs. Uh, that is contingent on Miles Turner being out. I think that Victor Oladipo, 8600 that's a fair price for him. I'm not necessarily super excited to roster him at that price, but I think that he's usable if he fits into a lineup. From the Hornets side of the game, Dwight Howard is at 9200 that's a fair play. The Pacers are bottom five in the league at allowing fantasy points to centers. And regardless of re- whether it's really Miles Turner or DeMontis Sabonis, it doesn't really matter. Both of them have struggled on defense this year. I think it would be a good matchup for Howard either way. Howard has something like 16 consecutive double-doubles? or Oh, no, he has. Because he had the one eight thirteen. 13 He has, yeah, it's like 11 double-doubles in a row. It, he's just been really consistent. He's scored... At least 39 fantasy points in 10 games in a row. So a lot of, a lot of floor there. There's a decent amount of ceiling as well. Uh, Kemba Walker, it's a bit too high of a price for him. The Pacers have done a good job defending point guards this year. Uh, the other guy who I think could be worth rostering, assuming he starts again, is Frank Kaminsky. Um, Marvin Williams missed last game, and Kaminsky started in his place. Kaminsky didn't really light the world on fire, but he played 30 minutes, finished with 20 fantasy points, but that was kind of a floor game for him. If that's the worst possible outcome for him at 4,700, definitely take it, and he definitely has 30-plus fantasy point upside as well, so I think that he is a fine value play. The next game here is the Lakers at the Nets, uh, revenge game for D'Angelo Russell, and I'm sure that there's going to be people who are going to want to play him for that narrative. He had a pretty big game the last time out, but still, the minutes are pretty restricted. I'll get to him a little more when I talk about the Nets side. The Lakers side here, we just have this issue where the minutes are so spread out for all these guys. Uh, I think Julius Randle makes sense as a GPP play. Nets are very bad against centers. Randle has the most upside of anybody on the Lakers. He has scored over 31 fantasy points in four of his last five games. And the minutes are a little more consistent now than they've been earlier in the year. But it's still not anything I'd feel comfortable trusting him in cash, but plenty of upside there. So Julius Randle, I think, is a fine GPP play at 6,700. So from the net side of the game now, we have Karis Levert is expected to be back. We have D'Angelo Russell playing now. So I just don't think there's anybody on the net side of the game that's a particularly good play. Russell's also priced all the way up to 6,500. So I'm sure a lot of people are going to look at his last game and say like, oh, D'Angelo Russell, 37 fantasy points. He's back. We only played 16 minutes. So if Russell's going to play 16 minutes at 6,500, there's just not a lot of upside there. I think maybe because against his former team, they'll let him play 20 to 22 minutes. But the Nets aren't playing for this season. They're playing for the future. They've they've been very uh, careful with Russell's minutes. They're going to keep being careful with them. I think that the price is too high, especially for the expected amount of minutes that he's going to play. So the next game here is the Atlanta Hawks playing in Boston. Very tough matchup for them. Boston, uh, let's see, where are they in? Are they still number one in defensive efficiency? They've been number one for most of the season, and they are still number one to Spurs number two. So Atlanta... We have Dennis Schroeder is questionable with a, a shoulder injury. He left late last game. It's kind of hard to know how serious the injury is because the, the Hawks were also down by about 20 points with three minutes left when he got dinged up and came out of the game. So was he coming out of the game because he was injured? Was he coming out of the game because it was a blowout? It was a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B? Don't really know, so it's, it's, I don't really have a good read on whether I expect Schroeder to play or not. We'll just consider him 50-50 for now. If he can't play... I'm guessing Malcolm Delaney starts at point guard at 3600 Not really an exciting play. Maybe worth taking a punt on him in a GPP or a cash game, but he wouldn't be a core play for me. Uh, Kent Bazemore is at 6000 He sees the biggest usage bump with Dennis Schroeder off the floor, usage rating around 27% without Schroeder. Just the issue is 6000 is a little expensive for Bazemore and a really tough matchup, and there's a lot of blowout risk here if Schroeder isn't able to play. So the Celtics side of the game, Celtics also dealing with a lot of injuries. We have Kyrie Irving is questionable. He missed last game. We have Marcus Morris as questionable. He left during last game with an injury. So if we have no Kyrie, I think that Terry Rozier, his price has gone all the way up to 6600 but he would still be a usable play. There is some blowout risk here, but he should still get in some minutes. We saw... Rozier really blow up against the Knicks, had a triple-double, scored just under 60 fantasy points, so still plenty of upside in him at 6,600, and it's a plus matchup for him, regardless of if he's facing Dennis Schroeder, if he's facing Malcolm Delaney, I think that he would be a fine play if he's in the starting lineup. In terms of other guys to play, uh, I think that Horford, Jalen Brown, and Tatum are all just kind of fringe plays if Kyrie is out, but still the blowout risk there and not necessarily favorable pricing on any of those guys. The next game, heading up to Canada, Portland at Toronto. So from the Trailblazer side of the game, we have Joseph Nurkic was listed as questionable, got upgraded to probable. So I think it's safe to say that he's going to play for this game. I think at fifty nine hundred, there's upside for him in a GPP. The Raptors are a positive defense against every single team for fan- against every single position for fantasy purposes, except for center. The issue is with Nurkic, extremely inconsistent performance, but there's a lot of upside in him in the 1500 price tag. He's gone over 40 fantasy points quite a few times this year. He's also gone under 20 quite a few times. But even if you look at his last seven games, he actually has three games of 45 or more fantasy points. So th- that's kind of what we look for in GPP. I think a lot of people look at somebody who's really high variance. They're all over the place, and they get concerned, like, oh, he might bust. I don't want to play him. But that's one of the ways that we find value and upside in GPPs is players are priced for their mean production. So if somebody is a 6,000 player and they score 30 fantasy points every game, then yes, that's a very safe play. But if somebody is priced at 6,000 and they alternate scoring 45 and 15 fantasy points, which is, I mean, Nurkic isn't that extreme, but he's kind of in that ballpark, that's where you could create the upside to finish towards the top of standings. And I think if you're looking at a lot of GPP lineups you have, and you have a lot of like min caches, you're bubbling just outside the cash line, that might be because you're not taking enough chances on some of these risky type players that are risk reward, like a Joseph Nurkic. So Lillard, McCollum, um, I don't really like either of them in this matchup against the Raptors. They defend point guards and shooting guards, both pretty well. From the Raptors' side of the game, what does Jonas Valanciunas have to do to get more playing time? I don't know. <laughs> For whatever reason, Casey does not really seem to like him. Uh, he has had some decent games lately, but the minutes just always stay at th- or under thirty. He's played over thirty minutes one time this year. oh twice this year, opening night, and then once again uh, December thirteenth. So with Valanchunas' price up to 5800 in a tough matchup against Portland, Portland one of the better defensive teams in the league, also tailing of a back-to-back for Toronto. I'm off Valanchunas here. Uh, DeRozan and Lowry both have difficult matchups also, but they're both so cheap. They're at 7200 so I wouldn't rush them together. I say this pretty often, but individually I think they both make for good GPP plays and they're both fine cash plays at 7200 There's There's a lot of floor there and some upside as well. Next game here, the Miami Heat at the Philadelphia 76ers. Two of also the better defensive teams in the Eastern Conference. Hassan Whiteside, I will avoid him going up against Joel Embiid. That's an extremely difficult matchup. Drogic is priced up here. Richardson is priced up. Uh, yeah, I think the Heat are just a fade for me. The Sixers are fifth in the league in defensive efficiency. This is also this should also be a fairly slow pace game. So no Miami for me. From the Sixers side of the game, we have JJ Redick back now. He was uh, dealing with what was it uh, the stress reaction or whatever in his leg, or I don't remember what the injury was anymore. But he played last game, played some limited minutes. With him coming back, there's slightly lesser role for Robert Covington and Dario Saric. So that keeps me off of them. I think that you could look at Joel Embiid in a GPP because his, he's priced down a little bit. But the issue here is just the expected pace of play. This is going to be a pretty slow game. So I wouldn't use Embiid in a cash game. But GPP, I think he's fine. I do kind of like his individual matchup against Whiteside because we've seen this a lot with Whiteside when he faces uh, other centers who are big men that could shoot and space the floor. Whiteside really likes to camp out in the lane. He likes to hunt for blocks. He likes to help on the weak side And pick up blocks on kind of blow by somebody gets it around their guy, gets to the basket. Whiteside loves to be there for the block. When he's guarding somebody, or theoretically guarding somebody who likes to shoot threes and stand out on the perimeter like we've seen Embiid do, and he can make those shots regularly, Whiteside will just leave those guys open. So I see a path to a pretty big offensive game for Embiid. It's just the pace of play is a little concerning. And that lowers his floor a little bit. But the ceiling is definitely still there for, for the process. Uh, Knicks at Bucks. This is going to be a tricky one because I think the Bucks could really be massively injured for this game. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. I think is a decent play because of the potential injuries to the Bucks that I'll get to in a second. I think that Christoph Sporzingis is a decent GPP play. Uh, Ennis Canner has been putting up some monster rebound games lately, and the Bucks really struggle against centers. So I think it's a decent spot for him. He has played also a little more minutes security for Canna for recently. He's played at least 26 minutes now in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 games in a row. He scored 29 or more fantasy points in all of those games, averaging around 35 fantasy points over that stretch. So I, I like Canna for GPPs and cash games here. From the Buck side of the game, Jabari Parker is making his season debut. He's going to be playing very limited minutes, so not DFS viable at this point in time. But other uh, potentially significant news here, Malcolm Brogdon looked like he suffered a fairly substantial knee injury at the very beginning of the game. Uh, he was in a lot of my lineups tonight, so definitely a little bit disappointing, but he was on a, a fast break. He went up for a dunk, and it just kind of looked like his leg gave out on him. They're calling it uh, a a quadricep strain right now. But I'm still concerned this could be a really long-term injury. It's worth noting that last year when Jabari Parker tore his ACL, they called it a knee strain and that he was day-to-day and then went for the MRI two days later, and he was out for the rest of the season. Uh, the injury really didn't look great to Brogdon, and he was on camera, and he was heard saying that he, he heard something pop in his leg. So I, I think this is going to be a long-term injury for Brogdon. He almost certainly isn't going to play tomorrow. Other injury news here. Eric Bletso missed tonight's game. He's questionable to play with the ankle soreness. And then something else to keep an eye on is that uh, Giannis came out of the game with about three and a half minutes left tonight. He was walking a little gingerly off the floor. Maybe it was the knee soreness, which he missed a couple games with a couple weeks ago. It could also just be that the game was a 20-point game at that point in time, so he was maybe just a little disappointed with bad body language. But he didn't look totally healthy for me coming off the floor. So even though he's not on the injury report right now, I wouldn't be surprised if we see an update tomorrow morning that he's questionable to play or even him being ruled out with his being the talent of a back-to-back and him potentially not being at full health. And then obviously if there's no Giannis there's no Bledsoe, or even if there's just no Giannis and there is Bletso, there's going to be a massive amount of usage going to Middleton tomorrow. So that would be something to keep an eye on. That is assuming that uh, Bletso and Giannis can't play. Uh, this will just be an injury situation we've to have to keep an eye on. And then the other thing also is if Bledsoe sits with Brogdon out, I'm not really sure what they're going to do at point guard. Uh, I know that Delevedova is going to probably end up starting, but I don't know how many minutes they're going to want to play him. I don't know what his... What his role is going to be there, Uh, but he could make sense as a value play at thirty seven hundred. This is, I mean, just a lot of injuries, a lot of significant injuries from the Bucks. So, real potential source of value there. Next game, the Utah Jazz heading to Phoenix. Uh, Ricky Rubio has played significantly better since Rudy Gobert came back. We now have. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, five of his last six games over thirty fan- at least 30 fantasy points for Ricky Rubio. The minutes are up. So I, I feel pretty good rostering Rubio in a plus matchup against the Suns. Uh, Gobert, the price is a little expensive for me. I think Mitchell is an okay play. But Rubio is my favorite play on the Jazz here. From the Phoenix side of the game, it's... It's it's really hard to figure out a lot of their minutes on a day-to-day basis. Uh, we have Devin Booker at 7,600, TJ Warren at 66. Uh, here's the issue. The Jazz defense with Rudy Gobert is just going to keep me from rostering any of the Phoenix Suns players. Every once in a while we'll see players going up against the Suns and I – I'm mean, t- uh, not against the Suns. Players going up against the Jazz and they just get massively priced down for the matchup. Not really the case here. Everybody's kind of at the normal price. There's some slight discounts, but nothing that would make me really want to play any of them against the Jazz. So they're just going to be a fade for me. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans at the Oklahoma City Thunder. From the Pelicans' side of the game, Anthony Davis has scored over 60 fantasy points in back-to-back games without uh, DeMarcus Cousins. I think he is fine to pay up for it at 11400 Uh, Nobody else am I really all that interested in. Maybe you could look at Rondo in a GPP. The problem is the minutes just haven't been there. Earlier in the season when Anthony Davis was out, we saw Rajon Rondo get extended run in an attempt to make up some of the offense. But that hasn't been the case with Cousins out. We've seen, let's see, how many minutes did Rondo play the last couple games? He played 18 and 23 minutes. So just really not a lot of minutes Yeah, if you want to take a look at him in GPP, there is upside there. It's just there's a ton of downside. I kind of feel like this is a spot where we're going to see probably 9 times out of 10 Rondo scores like 20 or less fantasy points and then 1 out of 10 times he's going to go for like 40 plus with not a lot of in-between. So I think maybe light exposure to Rondo and GPPs, but I wouldn't go too crazy just because the chance that he hits that upside is very slim. From the Thunder side of the game, Russell Westbrook is at 11,600. The Thunder are currently playing or about to start a game as I'm recording this right now, so we'll have to see how that game shakes out, if there's any kind of weird minutes or injury situations that arise. But as of now, I think Westbrook at 11,600 is probably my favorite player on the slate to pay up for. Uh, Paul George, I think, is a fine play at 7,400. And then... Maybe you could take a look at Steven Adams at 6600 but nobody outside of Westbrook that I really want a ton of exposure to. The final game on the slate, the Golden State Warriors, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, I think this is a game I'm going to be avoiding just due to blowout risk. Durant and Curry are both still really highly priced. Draymond Green is really expensive. And the Warriors, 13-point favorites, the largest on the slate. From the Kings side of the game, Zach Randolph, Costa Kufis, Garrett Temple, uh, George Hill, Vince Carter. We have no clue who's resting. I would assume somebody's going to sit. We do know that Jaeger had said a little while ago that he was going to be resting two to three veterans for every game going forward. They didn't rest any veterans last game, but Jaeger was also not coaching the game. He's dealing with some kind of illness. So I, I do expect them to get back to resting veterans. And with this being a really late start, I'm very fearful that we're not going to know who's in or who's out prior to roster lock. And with all the blowout risk in this game, I, I think that the prudent strategy is just, just to avoid it and look other places. There's nine games on the slate, so there's, there's spots where we have more consistent minutes in production that we can target. So that is it for the slate. You could follow me on Twitter at DFS. Matt is not here, but you could still follow him on Twitter anyway. His Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. Hope everybody has a good weekend, has fun watching the Super Bowl, and we will be back. Uh, I don't know if we'll record on Sunday night, actually, because it's the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe I'll just do one by myself, but or maybe Monday morning. I'll, I'll do something for Monday, and then we'll be back at regular schedule next week.